some of the things we went through. We talked about some of the timelines that we experienced and some of the struggles that we experienced. And we wanted to take some time this episode to kind of deep dive and kind of go give you a little more insight into um, specifically what were some of those things that we were going through and experiencing. So I'm going to kick it off to my beautiful wife and let her start. I think she was expecting that, but I'm going to catch her off guard. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> so by things that we were experiencing, we mean specifically for the time that we were apart. Um, you know, we talked briefly about how, um, traumatic it was during those periods of our lives where we were away. Um, and we never really, you know, we mentioned the panic attacks, but we felt, um, inclined to go a little bit deeper, um, because we know that we're not the only ones and this can be for people that, you know, are not even going through a marital situation, um, but just depression and anxiety in general. Um, and, you know, we talked about how mental health was, you know, a critical piece um, and something that we are passionate about and making sure that you take care of yourself. Um, so for me, you know, it was me experiencing what I thought was going to be something totally better for me um, and then realizing it was the complete opposite. And I talked a little bit before about how I thought that that was God's way of punishing me. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, I knew that God didn't operate like that. Um, so it was just trying to get myself to believe what I knew to be true. Um, and so for me, depression heightened, um, significantly and, you know, I began feeling like that I failed, um, failed as a mother, failed as a wife, um, start failing as a friend because I was, you know, putting my time and energy, um, elsewhere and, um, that depression for me led to, you know, me seeking um, or coping other ways. Um, one big way for me was drinking alcohol um, and I felt like I had a high tolerance for alcohol so it took a lot for me to you know get that effect that I needed um, that kind of put me out of mind to not have any care and thought of anything else um, and then you know, that high level of drinking led to not just doing it on the weekends, but doing it throughout the week, um, doing it, you know, right after getting off from work or making it into my everyday routine. Um, for me, you know, that that's just one way that I allow, um, myself to handle with the depression before I seeked counseling. Um, I also, you know, found myself, the depression getting so severe, you know, that it 
led me to suicidal thoughts. Um, and it all stemmed around the fact that I let my, you know, myself down, my family down, um, my children down, watching them. You know, we did a good job as far as co-parenting, but they, they did have to go from house to house. Um, and when they, you know, were with me, things that they would question and ask, you know, about daddy and I couldn't answer them or um, specific things that they would say, you know, wanting to know why things were the way that they were um, and kind of brushing it off, not really giving them an answer. All of that kind of build it, you know, upon each other and increase the anxiety and the depression. Um, anxiety piece of it came more to, because of the way that I was coping, you know, I started to get paranoid about everything um, because I knew that I wasn't handling things the way that I should, but I, at that time I didn't know how or any other way to handle it. Um, so that led to just anxiety increasing in, you know, everyday life. What used to be something easy for me to do um, became a thought process, something I had to talk myself through or walk myself through um, because subconsciously I was just drowned by, you know, all of the negative thoughts. Um, there were times where I would call Josh or text Josh, mostly text him um, and be like, you know, hey, I'm going through this and I don't know what to do or I just don't think it's, you know, I'm worth living anymore. Um, and I would text him that not, um, not really caring about what he might have had going on at that time. It was mostly, you know, a selfish act. One, I wanted him to, and this was in the beginning. One, I wanted him to, you know, have pity um, and, and thought that that was going to be a way to get his attention. Um, and But then it led to more because of his response, his response to me um, with praying and positive words um, and encouragement mostly led to me reaching out to him to pray um, because he would always, you know, mention that I'll get through it, you know, um, God isn't, you know, punishing you and just praying me through. But there were many times where there was no one else um, for me to go to but, but him. Um, and at the same time, knowing that he was, what, you know, I had done to him, I could only imagine that he was experiencing some of the same, you know, depression that I was experiencing just on a different level. Um, so I felt like he was going to be the only one that, you know, could truly understand where, um, where my mind was, um, at that time. And so... That's kind of what it looked like for me. You know, I talked about, you know, I mentioned the suicidal thoughts. Um, that became pretty significant. And um, what I don't advise is that people suffer in silence like I did um, because no one knew that, you know, no one that was close to me 
at all had any idea um but there would be times where i would be in the car um thinking like at a red light what what would happen if i just drove out into this traffic um or there would be many nights where i would leave my residence where i was living at and um just go for a drive but thinking you know what that would look like if i never returned um or i remember you know sitting in parking lots just boohoo crying um not really having my head together and knowing that i had to go back to face reality um was a struggle and the repetition of those cycles um is where God was able to work um, because I was able to sit alone even though most of the time my thoughts and things were drowning my ability to hear from the Holy Spirit um, but it was in those moments where God was able to truly speak to me um, and let me know and looking back on it I think he was the only one there, you know, to truly um, save me from all those different moments where I felt like it was not worth living anymore. Yeah, um, I can identify with a lot of that. Um, kind of early on, I think when, uh, you know, the decision was made that, hey, we're, we're separating, we're having a divorce. Um, that's where certain realities, well, they didn't kick in immediately. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the reference, but it's absolutely true. I think I mentioned in an episode before that um, going through the stages of divorce is very similar to the stages of death, where, you know, the first thing is uh, more or less denial, you know, where you're not, you're like, whatever, this isn't what's really going on, this isn't the truth, and just kind of dismissing it so it makes you kind of feel better about yourself, it makes you um, hopeful for something that may not uh, be a possibility, uh, especially with respect to death, you know, that person's returning, we know it's um, something that we eventually have to adjust with, but, you know, the early stages of divorce or separation before, you know, the divorce is official, it's, you know, a little, well, say a little worse for death, everybody copes with things differently, but for me, because of that possibility, it's like, well, okay, we're separated, but, you know, hey, you know, God can work things out, right? And, you know, just really, really honing in on that aspect of it. And it got to, you know, the point beginning, uh, the beginning where, you know, I would, in my prayers to God, it would be specifically like, you know, hey, God, you know, what did I do to cause this? What did I do to allow this? Um, and a, a big piece of that too, because, you know, obviously we've talked about, you know, why we decided to uh, divorce ultimately. But, um, you know, even as I was reading the Bible this week, it made me like, I, you know, you read the Bible, read the scriptures different ways and it brings a different light as you read it. And I was, uh, I'm reading the Bible chronologically. I started to do that. Um, I wanted to read it in order to kind of put things in perspective. And in doing so, I was reading about uh, kind of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And um, one of the things that, uh, that came out in that was I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach to you but <laughs> I am gonna make a point 
but about when the serpent came uh, to Eve. And, you know, the question is all around, well, did God say, if you eat this, you, you really going to die? Well, God never talked to Eve. First of all, he talked to Adam. And then Adam relayed the message to Eve. Now, an important thing that God told Adam was not just don't touch it. Not, I mean, don't eat it, but he also said don't touch it. So even in touching it, which it, it put me in the mindset of thinking of, you know, when we flirt with sin, we flirt with things that we know we're not supposed to, where we're like, well, I didn't go all the way. You know, I just did this little thing. And then that little thing turns into uh, maybe a snowball effect where now this is becoming something that we accept as, well, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it regardless. But what it goes back to in that reading of the message that God had to Adam and then Adam conveying a message to his wife, but what specific message was he conveying? Um, we hear the story of Adam and Eve, but uh, oftentimes, you know, we blame everything on Eve. We're just like, if Eve wouldn't ate that fruit, you know, we, we'd all been chilling and eating right now. But there's still a root cause to that. No, Adam didn't make her eat the fruit. But, um, you know, Adam is the one who was responsible for being her headship. Adam is the one that uh, God placed there basically to be not her leader from the aspect of being a, um, a dictator over her, but being the one to help to guide her and point her back to God. So there are opportunities in our life, especially as men, as fathers, as husbands, where maybe we're not doing the best thing that we can be doing. Yeah, we might be supporting financially. Um, you know, I mentioned protecting a heart before and part of protecting a heart is protecting the soul. And in doing so, it's ensuring that you're doing everything. That doesn't mean you have to come home and have Bible study every day. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, pray 24 seven with your spouse, call them, text them on the phone. God is good all the time. You know, don't be super religious with it, but it's about a relationship thing and making sure that every decision, every conversation, um, you're seeking God out first. And that responsibility is something that, you know, it's major on the, on the male's behalf. Um, but I think kind of in today's society, we put this stigma on men where it's like, well, the only way you're protecting or you're providing is if you're making X amount of dollars or maybe your wife doesn't have to work at all or, you know, where you never have any struggles or anything like that. But the reality of the matter is that's, I mean, it's one side, that's only one piece of a very big picture of what support and protection looks like. And with our relationship, you know, that was something for me where I started to, you know, really focus and, and praying to God and saying, show me what it is that I can do. What can I do better? Um, you know, not just being uh, selfish about it and, you know, really pointing blame, but really wanting understanding because I, I mean, I know how the enemy operates and um, I know all it takes is, you know, just one one moment uh, of an opening for the enemy to slide in and say, hey, OK, I got you now. You know, one moment of vulnerability and then, you know, you're captivated in something that you never thought that you would be experiencing. So um, with all of that, you know, I went through the early stages where that's what I was doing a lot of. I was praying. I was, you know, seeking God. I was, you know had you know worship music gospel music all the time just things to kind of keep my mind focused on god you know um, not to say you know playing any type of music is going to put you in any type of um, mood or change your emotions when you're going through something traumatic 
but it absolutely does help to kind of redirect or you know channel some of the feelings that you're experiencing so for me it kind of went from that to a point of when reality started to kind of hit in and it was like well dang um well before i get there i started doing some things we did you know like i said we, we went through the five love languages and um, one of the things that I understood was that her love language was acts of service. So one of the initial things that I started doing was, okay, what can I do to help out around the house? You know, to the point where I'm, you know, trying to do more. I'm trying to bathe the kids more. I'm trying to make sure, you know, food's ready because Sam worked a little later. So when she gets home, make sure that part is done, you know, tidying things up. Just doing things that were a little out of my normal element because I, I mean, I was convinced that there was something that I lacked in that capacity and then maybe if I did a lot more of those things, then it would solve the problem. It didn't solve the problem, but um, it did help me later as I was transitioning into being a single father that I didn't know. I'll get into that a little later. But um, after that, um, that that season, kind of the denial and, you know, I was kind of on my face before God all the time, um, kind of nonstop, uh, you know, I was at work and I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't eating on my normal routine. Um, well, not really. I'd say funny enough, but not funny enough. I had started a weight loss journey before that. Sam had as well. But seemingly the coworkers, like as soon as they found out about it, oh, and Josh is losing weight because he's so depressed. I'm like, listen, I intentionally lost weight before that. So let, let's get that part clear. <laughs> but uh, my diet obviously did change. Um, the way that you know you maneuver on your daily basis change um, thought process i'm at work and i can't focus because i'm thinking about what's going on at home and you know it, it was consuming and once reality really started to kick in um you know of course music is a very powerful tool positively and negatively that's why it's important to make sure what you're allowing into your your system because music can absolutely um, influence decisions, influence emotions, whether you think you're strong enough to, to handle it or not. Um, depending on, especially the, the heart of the, the creator of the music, I'm not gonna go off on a, a tangent with that, but just understand when I say there's, um, there are emotions and strongholds that are tied to music. And I say that to say this, it got to a point when I started to go through um, the realization of what was going on that I mean, it seemed like almost every song that was coming on was like about what I was going through with, to the point where um, one, uh, one artist, uh, Sebastian Cole, it's not a plug here for him, but anyway, <laughs> he's a good artist. But the music on his album was literally felt like the timeline of my, my life and things that were going on and, um, you know, losing my marriage and everything. Um, and as I started to hear the music and I started to play it more because for me, it was, that was my friend. That was my confidant because I wasn't, you know, talking to a whole bunch of people. I wasn't, you know, spreading the news out there. So um, in doing so, it made it harder to kind of vent about who I was, you know, about what I was going through and get it off my chest. And I wasn't seeking counseling or therapy at this time. So um, while God was still on my mind, everything that I was doing was kind of suppressing what I knew to be true uh, about God and his abilities. And not that I started doubting God, but 
my emotions started to uh, kind of take over my my spiritual logic, if that makes sense. And listening to the music, and I started picking up habits as well, uh, similar to what Sam mentioned, you know, um, alcohol. And, you know, I absolutely knew from my past that I had a tolerance to alcohol, but I didn't, you know, I don't know. I didn't necessarily drink for the specific purpose of becoming numb, but it got to a point where, you know, I'm drinking alcohol and it like it was like drinking water <laughs> to me. You know, it was it was a norm to the point where, you know, once I started noticing uh, my tolerance to it, like it seemed heightened to the point where I'm like, OK, look, something's got to change. You know, this isn't what we're about to do. And um, life hadn't started changing for me yet, but I started to make a decision and say, hey, you know, I got to do something different or you know, life is going to end um, a little differently. Um, one part I did fail to mention, you know, Sam mentioned um, kind of the suicide things. For me, um, even having a, a past with uh, with suicide when I was in um, college, kind of letting this out there, nobody, nobody I think knows this. Um, but there was a point even when I was in school and, you know, there was no one to kind of help me financially when I was going through a certain time. I didn't have... I had a job, but it wasn't um, really supporting anything that I had. I was staying off campus. I was, you know, kind of high on debt. I was about to get evicted and, you know, kind of reaching out. And I'm like, well, you know, I know somebody will help me. Like I always try to help people when they're going through stuff. So I know somebody will help me. And it got to a point where, you know, the enemy was kind of in my head. Like, you know, if you, if you're missing, if you take your life, like nobody's going to miss you. You know, nobody's calling you now unless they need something or, you know, nobody ever answers the phone when you call. So I don't think anybody would even notice. And at that moment, that was when God stepped in. And, you know, he was literally the only person that I could turn to. And of course, he's the best decision. So in doing so, that literally saved my life as I was going through that season in college. And obviously I got past that and life went on and things got better. Um, but it was because I was... You know, I was rooted. I had my focus. I knew that God was at the central of it, the center of everything. And, you know, our storms and our situations have a way of kind of helping us to conveniently forget about who God is and his abilities. Um, so when I was going through this moment, it's not that I definitely didn't turn my back on God, but I had, you know, kind of transitioned some of my characteristics from um, things that I wouldn't have done, um, you know, with keeping him as a you know, the center of my attention. Um, so once I, I started transitioning my mindset from, well, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. Um, my point of mentioning suicide, for me, it happened earlier for me. It happened during the denial phase. So for, during the denial phase, it was the point where I'm like, okay, I beat myself up because as I mentioned before, you know, marriage was um, a huge goal of mine for a long, a long time, like most of my life. And, you know, once my parents got divorced, you know, it was another goal of mine. And really my biggest fear was experiencing divorce and putting my kids through it. I said, I like, I'm never going to do this. And then for that to happen, it, it was like, okay, wow. Like you really allowed this to happen. And, you know, the devil kind of played on that, like, he says it wasn't going to happen. Look what happened, you know, and 
I don't know, I remember sitting down and just thinking about, you know, what would happen. I mean, this is how emotion plays on you. You know, if I wrote a note to Sam, you know, kind of like a, a goodbye note, and then, you know, just ended my life to the point where she came, you know, she came upstairs, she saw the note, all the stuff's going through my head just to get some emotional connection from her. You know, it's like, would that even trigger anything? These are things that are going through my head. Um, and, you know, luckily, you know, God stepped in and, you know, kind of made perspective about things and thinking about my kids. And once the selfishness uh, of what I was going through, uh, I was able to put that to the side and, you know, place God back in his position. Then that's what helped with more of my coping piece. So, you know, went from denial to kind of accepting. And then after acceptance comes more of the peace stage. And the peace stage happens differently for different people. You know, some people it, it takes years. Some people never um, get over it before uh, they transition to the next life. But for me, it happened, it started to happen a little sooner, I think, than even, you know, people expected. Uh, you know, the few people that didn't know that we were finally not together is because, I mean, like I talked about my marriage a lot, even, you know, at work. And work is where we spend most of our time. And, you know, people are people at work and people are nosy and everybody wants to know everything. So, you know, on a regular basis, people are like, oh, well, how's your, how's your wife doing? Just kind of, you know, normal conversations and things that people ask. And it got to a point where I was, you know, kind of tired of just shooing it away or even answering the question, even though technically this wasn't my wife anymore. Um, to a point where I was like, you know, look, long story short, we're not, we're not together anymore. So, and then of course that brought other questions that I really just kind of shut it down. Cause I'm like, listen, I don't like, I don't feel like going into this, but this, it is what it is. And, um, for me, you know, once I started to initially really the, the infantile stage of peace where God started to introduce it to me, um, you know, it was, uh, once I knew that there was no reconciliation from the viewpoint of where, you know, my stance or Sam's stance and where we were and that, you know, d divorce was imminent and, you know, it's time to transition. It's time to move forward with what life is going to look like. So, um, I was able to, thanks to God, get my mind to the right place where I could maneuver like I needed to. And, you know, it's changing my mind to say, Hey, look, okay, you got to find somewhere to stay. Not only do you have to find somewhere to stay, you got to find somewhere that is going to be with, you know, able to sustain you and the kids when you have the kids. So, you know, finding places that have enough room, finding places in a safe location, because I didn't want just any place. Um, finding somewhere that was, you know, near uh, a child care um, provider. Shout out to mom. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and. All of these things that, you know, if I was in that place where I was, you know, stuck in that denial phase, I wouldn't have been able to think straight. So, you know, God kind of helped me get that first taste of peace so that I, my mind could be clear enough to make logical decisions. And um, I started, you know, I, I moved out and uh, I mentioned before all the things that I started to do to kind of try to help what I thought was helping more, what I thought was showing Sam more, love more, speaking her love language, acts of service transition to okay look this is your reality now because you're you know from all intended purposes you're, you're a single father 
for at least you know one week on one week off so i had to switch caps so to speak to where i mean there was no other option i am cooking for the kids where they're not eating or finding food for the kids where they're not eating i am washing the kids up or bathing the kids every night you know um anything in the house i'm taking care of you know so uh, you know uh god has a way of doing things so even though my intention on doing things more wasn't because I knew that this was going to happen. But I think, you know, God allowed me to see even if that was her love language and then also see that, hey, guess what? These are some things that you can brush up on because God kind of knew what was going to happen. It wasn't in his plan. It wasn't his desire. We have our own will. God gives us free will. Um, basically, we set whatever plans we think and then God kind of orchestrates our steps and tries to help us along the way, but it's ultimately up to us to decide which path to take. And that's why we, you know, people ask us now, like, well, y'all got back together, so, you know, how are things different? This is only one way things are different, but mm -hmm. that's where it, it became a blessing in disguise um, because, you know, we both were able to see what it was like to raise kids by yourself um even though it was only a week of time you know off and on but not having that other half there and you know shout out to all those single people that have to do it and have no other choice but um that's where our appreciation for each other grew tremendously um in the work that it took to take care of children and take care of home um because when we got back together it was like hey i know what it's like i know what you're going through you know what i'm going through like now we know how to mesh and make this thing work absolutely and you know i, I definitely you know i thank god for everything that he's uh he's allowed us to grow from um i tend to remove the word regret from my vocabulary. Um, I was about to say vernacular, make it pretty like T.I., but <laughs> remove the word regret from my vocabulary. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I regret this experience. I absolutely hate that we went through it, um, but I don't regret, right. Uh, it, was, it was more or less, I guess, a necessary evil, if you want to say. Um, kind of the shock the system for both of us of saying, hey, it's time to wake up because you're getting kind of complacent with some things. Um, and one thing I think is easy to do in relationships for men and women alike is to start to stop seeing the need to appreciate your mate for, I mean, even the simplest things. It's like, it's so quick, so easy for us to be quick to say, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You're my wife. That's what you're supposed to do. You're my husband. But, you know, that reassurance of, hey, I see what you're doing. I see what you're continuing to do. I appreciate you. You know, we hear all the time, oh, you got to do what you did to, to get him to keep the flame going. And okay, that's not just in the act. You know, that person still needs to hear that reassurance the same way that you're all googly-eyed before when the person's doing the things for you. You need to keep those things going because that's what shows the appreciation. That's what makes someone want to continue actions. Um, just like customer service, you know, you wouldn't continue to patronize a place that is not making you feel welcome as a customer, making you feel like, um, you know, your 
uh, your purchase or your presence in their facility has some type of impact. You might not say it specifically, but you know, it does make you feel good. It does make you want to come back. That's what loyalty is all about. Customer loyalty and relational loyalty. You know, if you are showing appreciation and love to um, the person that you're with, not just in words, but in deed as well, then that person is more than likely, unless they just make a decision on their own to deviate from it, that person is more than likely going to say, hey, you know what? I am perfectly happy and content at home. I'm not saying it because it's nice to say. I'm saying it because I have a spouse at home that loves me, that lets me know that they love me, that reassures me through the things that I do for them, and that does things for me as well. Um, and that even allows me to do things. Uh, and that's another big thing. You can't, you know, you hear people say, oh, don't block your blessing. Or I ain't going to block my blessing. Don't block your blessing when it comes to, um, I guess, even reciprocating. If somebody's trying to do something for you, especially your, your spouse, don't. Don't cut them out. Don't shoot them down. If it's something that you don't necessarily like, then that's where the open, honest conversation comes. Like, hey, babe, you know what? I really appreciate you doing this, but... That's your thing. That's not really my thing. And it should be okay to have that conversation. Now, if the person turns in the attitude and goes the other way, then maybe their intentions weren't in the right place anyway. God doesn't operate like that. Love doesn't operate like that. That's how the devil operates, right? When I do something for you and, you know, I'm expecting a different response than what you give. You know, even in um, loving and living like Christ, I mean, that's for us. You know, like I said, I don't know what everybody else's faith is, but hey, we Christians over here. So for, for me, loving and living like Christ is, is major. I'm not perfect, but that's what I'm striving for. And in doing so, you know, even Sam has to be my discernment sometimes and steps in because, you know, I love being a generous person. I love doing things for people. Um, I love doing things for Sam. Um, so when I see an opportunity and I'm able to assist and okay, you know, hey, I'm going to step in, right? Or even as simple as, opening a door for somebody male or female doesn't matter it's not a, a sexualized thing it's a, it's a genuine act but sometimes it gets to a point where that genuine person gets a little burnt out and i'm like man how the hell this door for you gonna say something to me you know but then sam kind of like hey you know it. do it just to, to be it. genuine yeah. do it to be generous do it because that's what you know christ would have you to do don't do it to expect um, something in, in return to expect a, I mean, acknowledgement even. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's big when it comes to relationships is, is doing things just to do it out of a genuine nature, um, regardless of even if that appreciation is not there, because we have responsibility as an individual, but it's easy for us to point the finger and say, well, he's not doing this and she's not doing that. So that's why I did A, B, and C. I mean, in theory, that sound, that, that logic sounds discombobulated anyways because you're saying that you're doing something because someone has not done something it's i would think that it's easier to do something as a reaction to someone doing something oh well he cheated on me so i'm gonna cheat on him easy action they did this so i did that but to say this person didn't do this so i did that in most cases that stems to what we talked about um you know the last episode communication you know when you're expecting just because you watch whatever shows you watch and Bridgerton or whatever, and you have this expectation that someone is just supposed to swoop you off your feet and do these things that they just supposed to know that you like, but you've never, you know, you've never mentioned it. Never compare your relationship to mm. fairy tales, to movies, to, to, to TV, 
that's not reality. Um, or just your friends, your yeah, family. Yeah. Like, stop comparing yourself to other people. Yep. Figure out what is working, what's not working, and have your own outline, so to speak. You know, stop. Yep. You know, no two relationships, no two people are the same, so no two marriages or relationships are going to be the same. And so comparing... And, and that's a, a hard thing to do, um, the way society is set up nowadays and the way social media is designed where people post every single thing. Um, and nine times out of ten, it's all the glitz and glamour um, that they're going through. That's not really what's happening behind closed doors. So it's, you know, a facade. It's something to make you think that, they're living the good life. Not to say that, you know, people are just all living bad, but you know, that's, that's what's catchy. That's what gets likes. That's what people, you know, are posting it for because the other person is doing it that way. Mm -hmm. But don't look at those things and, and compare yourself and your marriage to the things that you see other people going through because you're not going to get it the way that they got it. And you're not going to get the same results that they're getting. Um, so comparing is easier said than done, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it truly takes an intentional thought and work, um, to, to put forth something that's going to work for you and your relationship. And that's where communication comes <laughs> in it again, because, you know, you don't know what's going to work and you don't know unless you communicate with the other person to figure out what the game plan is going to be. But I can guarantee you this, absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to work out if you don't plan and execute. Because a lot of times we, you know, we let our emotions, we let the storm kind of take over and push us into this elective, I'm going to call it what it is, this elective stage of depression. Whether it's elective because we're allowing um, negative spiritual influence on us, or whether it's elective because... You know, some of us are literally choosing to be in these uh, stages of stagnation where we're not moving forward simply because we don't feel like it. So, you know, it's like, hey, I got fired from this job. I got laid off from this job. Oh, my God, I'm in this funk of depression, but I'm not doing anything to try to change it. You know, even initially, I'm not even taking the steps to to say, hey, let me try to apply for some jobs. Let me be proactive and do these things before my unemployment runs out. And so much so that I've allowed depression to overtake my mind to the point where now I'm out of a job, my unemployment's running out, and I still don't have a job. Now I'm really, you know, my, my mental uh, stability is really, you know, not on point because I've got more compacted on me because I, you know, I didn't react initially. And this isn't everybody's story. This is just a scenario. But, you know, similar to relationships, you know, if you see that something is, is not is not right, but you're silent about it, you're not speaking out, you're not communicating, you're not saying, hey, babe, this bothers me. Um, you're not saying, hey, babe, I love it when you do this. I wish you would do this more. Not from an aspect of everything is saying how you deliver it. You know, if you deliver something with a, you know, a, a attitude or with anger to anybody, they're not going to be receptive to it. The same thing with your spouse. I mean, that should be understood. 
you know, and, you know, you don't have to be all animated with it. Just be real and genuine and, you know, expressing your needs and your desires. Because when your needs and desires aren't being met and you've never articulated this to your spouse, you can't be mad at that person. You can't be mad at God. It's not God's responsibility for you to say, hey, God, please let him know that I love roses and he never brings me roses. Amen. And then you never get roses and now you're mad at your, your husband and you're mad at God. And now you want to jump the fence and, and just be on your own and whatever you choose to do, you know, as a, um, as a, as an effect of these things that didn't happen for you when your husband's not a mind reader and God doesn't take things out of my mind and just place them in to Sam's mind from the aspect of just, you know, desires, needs, and things. Now God can absolutely use your spouse for, um, discernment and to say, to speak through your spouse. That's not what I'm saying. Um, because that, and that happens all the time. I mentioned earlier about, you know, Sam kind of checking me when, you know, I get, um, I was going to make a word up for it, but, uh, just when <laughs> get burnt out from, you know, being generous <laughs> or whatever, you know, or my road rage that I used to have, <laughs> um, Mostly went away for the most two part. Two hours ago. Ah, I got better. Anyway, <laughs> all those certain things, you know, God can absolutely speak like that, but he's not in the business of, I have a thought, I'm going to pray about it. And then he just makes some magic happen and then places it in her head. She's like, oh, wait, I think Josh wants this. No, it doesn't work, it doesn't work like that. You know, we, it, it, God created us to have relationships. Right. In order to have an effective relationship, you have to have effective communication, communication with your spouse, communication with God. Um, you have to have a relationship with God, because if your if your mind is not centered and focused spiritually, then you can't expect to have balance when it comes to um, people that are right in front of you, people in the physical um, alignment with God. Puts you in a place of not once again, not perfection, but it dials down emotions. To where you're you're acting more like in the nature of Christ, more like God would have you to act versus, oh, I'm going to act this way because my friends act this way. I'm going to act this way because I binge watch this or I'm in love with this TV show and that's how the cast acts on there. And I let it consume my spirit to where this has become my nature, even though I haven't been like this in the past. Um, it, it's important. Um, there are a lot of kind of sad, side, sad to side <laughs> distractions that we feed into our spirit that we don't realize. Um, music, television, social media, um, negative relationships, toxic relationships with friends or even family members. I'm going to go there. Uh, family members, um, it's the easiest thing. You hear blood is thicker than water. Yeah, the blood of Christ is thicker than it all. So when someone tries to use that and say, oh, well, they're my family and they're my cousin, that really doesn't mean anything from the aspect other than genealogy. I'm gonna love you the same like I love somebody that, you know, that I just met. But if you present the opportunity to say, hey, guess what? I'm not gonna do anything but produce toxins in your life, then guess what? You have every right to love that person from a distance and not interact with that person. I don't care if they're family, I don't care if they're a lifelong friend. If they're adding toxins to your life, you better absolutely remove them from your life. Not in the physical sense. Not advocating violence here. 
okay? <laughs> but seriously, <clears throat> you have to cut off those connections. Um, like I said, people, social media, anything that is negative in your life, be, be logical about it. Even music. I love music. I love different genres of music. Um, you know, uh, I've said music has a, a heavy influence. You know, if you start to notice, hey, this influence, this music is not promoting a lifestyle that I want to, to live, live. It's not promoting a lifestyle that I believe I should be living that is in alignment with God. Then it comes to a point where you got to make a decision and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't be listening to this. You know, um, every decision and choice that we make is an investment into our life. Um, every choice that you make is an investment into your life. So if you're choosing to listen to music that's, you know, degrading women, that's um, got, you know, cuss words every, I don't know, every other line. sentence, line, whatever, you know, what is that positively doing for your life? Now, this isn't, I'm not here to ridicule, bash, judge, any uh, artist or whoever is creating the music and doing whatever, that's not my place. That's that's God's place, right? But what I'm saying is you have to make a choice. If you want to live a positive lifestyle, you want to live a godly lifestyle, you got to cut some things out and add more of God than anything else. Because how can you expect your life to transition into a God-designed lifestyle if you're not giving yourself the ingredients for a godly lifestyle. I mean, I think it's like one plus one is two every time. I don't care how you look at it. Um, so, you know, you have to, you have to seek, you have to seek God. You have to pray. Um, and I don't mean praying from the, the habitual sense of it or the religious sense of it, you know, um, just praying at a habit stance just because, Mama said, I got to pray, and this is the same prayer I've been praying since I was five, but it has nothing to do with life now. Make it personal, you know, and even more so than praying for yourself, pray for others. Pray for your spouse. Don't pray for your spouse to, to do everything that you want them to do. Pray for God to do it, to release the absolute blessed, best blessings and favor on their life. And even others, even if it's not your spouse. Pray those positive things into others, and I guarantee you, things will start happening for you. You know, um, the less selfish that we are, the more generous that God can be. You know, it's it's harder to receive things if, if we're holding on, right? Um, you know, it's scenarios like, hey, um, I'll take this, but I, I'm going to hold back a little bit. It's so much easier to do this, right? Um, and then even receiving more because both your hands are open. So it's absolutely um critical um you know in relationships any type of relationships but absolutely in a marriage relationship of being generous and oftentimes we hear generous and we think that's equated to money it has nothing to do with money if money is a topic at hand then okay if you're feeling led to be generous um financially do that but you can be generous with your time um, you can be generous with your gift, your skill, your craft. Um, you can be generous, like I said, if you want to do the financial aspect, paying it forward for somebody. You know, we, we talk, you know, you see all these things, people posting stuff on social media and showing that they're being generous for 
all these people and, you know, helping the homeless and doing anything like that. That's great. <clears throat> but what about paying it forward even for your, to your spouse? Doing things that your spouse hasn't asked you to do. Doing things that your spouse hasn't um, mentioned to you. Just from the aspect of, you know, hey, I know you have this interest. You know, we haven't talked about this, but, you know, here's a little something to help you with your interest. You know, I mean, that goes a long way. That is another way of showing love, even if that's not that person's love language. I guarantee you there's not a person in this world that is not going to be receptive of a gift that has something to do with their passion, their desire. Um, and if they're not, they're probably a cold-hearted person just being real. <laughs> but yeah, I know I'm saying a lot here, but, you know, once again, we are releasing these videos genuinely to to help others um we couldn't care less if anybody has sympathy pity it's not about that at all uh, we're not releasing our story and being uh, trying to be as transparent as possible uh for likes for accolades for anything like that but we genuinely want to see uh, the best in people we want to see the most positive outcome in relationships and marriages and families we want to see the absolute positive outcome um, in your life. You know, so, you know, we're going to constantly um, drop, you know, tips as we feel uh, we feel led um, to inspire somebody because, you know, this message might not be for you, but I guarantee you it's at least for one person. Otherwise, God wouldn't have us doing it. And as long as we hear God telling us to do it, we're going to continue to do it uh, with all the love in the world. <laughs> that's just that's just who we are. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I said a lot, babe. Anything you want to add to that? I don't think so. Not this time. Yeah. I think you you know you hit it on the head. Um, you know we started off with talking about a little bit that we experienced. Um, and like Josh mentioned, you know that was a genuine moment just to um, help someone that is going through something very similar or going through something in general um, because a lot of people suffer and they suffer in silence and um, you don't have to. If you don't feel like you have anybody else to go to, feel free to, you know, inbox us, let us know, email us at thosegreers at gmail.com. Um, you know, private message us because this circulates on Facebook and Instagram as well, but definitely, you know, reach out because we haven't been through everything. We don't have the answer to everything, um, but we surely can help um, and relate to a lot of situations and scenarios. And we can be that listening ear um, because that's all it takes for some people is just to have someone to listen in and you know we talk about mental health and we talk about seeking counseling um we do know that that can get pricey and a lot of people you know don't seek the therapy that they need because of the cost um no we're not therapists again <laughs> um but you know it just takes a listening ear sometimes for some people and you do not have to suffer alone you do not have to suffer in silence um, for some people, it's hard to pray. You know, we talk about going to God and it sounds easy and it sounds like that was something, you know, that happened quickly for us, but it did not. It did not happen overnight. It was many, many, many sleepless nights, um, lots and lots of tears that were shed before 
I got to that point before he got to that point. So it's not something that, you know, we struggle with. The next day we prayed about it. The next day it turned out great. That's not how this happened. Um, that's how, that's not how, you know, the next storm that we're going to go through is going to happen or the next storm that you're going to go through is going to happen. So know that you don't have to suffer alone. It's not, you know, going to be easy by any means, but it will be worth it. Um, you are worth way more than you think you are. Um, and there is someone else that needs you. Um, so hang in there, you know, reach out. We're here. Um, definitely don't forget to share our videos, please. Um, and we don't mean that to look for people, you know, to view it. We, we know that it's only going to reach someone if someone else shares it. So we can't expect to reach everyone, but by sharing, you're being generous <laughs> um, and just hoping that someone that truly needs it can definitely, you know, hear it. Um, and God will do his thing. We have no doubt that he will get it to the right people at the right time because um, that's just how good he is. So like, comment, share, and, and subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we can't wait to, you know, to get on next week. We will um, talk a little bit more about the reconciliation piece of it. Um, and we are still looking and waiting for people to let us know what you want to talk about. You know, what's pressing on your heart? What's something that you, you know, would like a second opinion on or, you know, just a, a genuine conversation. Um, so you can definitely let us know things because once we complete our story, that's what we will, you know, be focusing on is things that, you know, people are going through or want to talk about. Um, that's the whole point of this. So, yep. So, um, things that people are going through and even more so, you know, we're going to continue to ex expound, expound upon, uh, you know, some fundamental nuggets of marriage. So five languages of love, uh, you know, different tips and tools that we'll be, um, We'll be releasing on here and talking about as well. So um, we definitely appreciate everyone who has been a part of this journey so far. Everybody that's watched the video that has liked, shared, or subscribed. Um, we are since <laughs> I can't even talk. We sincerely appreciate <laughs> every one of you um, and you know what uh, what God is is doing uh, through us. We're just vessels. We're not anybody special, but we're, you know, trying to shine light on the one who is special. So, uh, we definitely appreciate you. Thank you for watching, and peace.